You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rick, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Barkboard. And Jackson, uh, not quite the trip we were hoping for heading down to Los Angeles, but honestly, we're not really too surprised, are we? Yeah, you know, we figured USC was going to be a tall task, and seeing those guys up and close and personal, man, the talent on that offense is ridiculous. But um, what we did not account for were the devastating injuries the Bulldogs took. I mean, as good as USC's offense was, uh, you know, Fresno State's offense found some success. Um, you know, they kind of got into a tough situation early, but we saw them score multiple times and even late in the game uh, drive the length of the field. And they certainly could have stayed in the game a lot longer and, and put up a lot more points perhaps if Jake Gaynor had not had to be carted out. But, um, yeah, as bad as the loss was, it's definitely the injuries that are the biggest concern right now as the Bulldogs start getting closer to conference play, potentially without their two best players. Yeah, and that's something that we're going to be covering here later on into the podcast as we dig dig deep into what the injuries mean for the Bulldogs. Uh, But because, you know, it is is going to be very huge for the Bulldogs. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, being there uh, and watching what the Bulldogs were doing for a while there, it looked like, the Bulldogs were starting to kind of get things moving uh, before those injuries happened. And um, had some of these key injuries not happened, Jackson, this game could have been a lot closer than what it was, right? Yeah, I mean, I still think USC scores a lot of points. Uh, I think they would have got to their 40-plus point total regardless. And, uh, you know, Logan Fife and the offense still was – pretty successful in their possessions. I mean, he led a touchdown drive and they got into scoring position three more times. They were just in spots where you kind of had to go for it late in the game when you're down by so much. But uh, you just definitely assume that Jake Hayner led offense would have, you know, put up more points, but especially just the circumstance of, um, you know, for me, the, the biggest play outside of the injuries was the coin toss because USC chose to receive and they got 24 out of the first 27 snaps in this game. Two long scoring drives. Bulldogs had one quick three and out on their first touch. It was like it was a 14 nothing hole before the offense could even react to what had just happened. Uh, and then once they did react, we saw them you know, get going. They drove all the way into the side of the 10. They had to settle for a field goal, unfortunately. They scored a touchdown, and then time kind of got the best of them before halftime. Down only 21 to 10 felt like they were in a good position to drive down the field and get within one score if they could have finished off that drive. But the game pretty much ended at the moment when Hayner was both injured and fumbled as it turned into a quick swing towards USC. All of a sudden, it's 28-10 and you don't have Hayner. Um, so it's hard to imagine the scenario where the Bulldogs come out of that victorious, but you could see that game going way if Hayner doesn't get hurt if they finish that drive off with the score all of a sudden it's a game in a way that 
it hadn't been to that point and it didn't end up being after that point either. Yeah, it just it seemed like uh, once those injuries, key injuries started happening, then the the air completely went out of the bulldog sails. Uh, but uh, it, I mean, it just it seemed like they were starting to kind of get some traction before that happened, and then um, when the injuries did happen, it just you could see it. You could see it on the uh, the players' faces. You could see it uh, on the the crowd. I, I mean it it literally took the air out of their lungs there just by just seeing what happened, especially to Hayner. Uh, there was a, a collective sigh happening uh, throughout Bulldog Nation um, as to what that meant for the remainder of the season. Uh, but Fife came in and did an admirable job of managing that game and even had a few key passes that uh, that really helped some of those drives. But he, he came in and... Uh, picked up where Hayner left off and uh, and just managed the game as best as he could with the limited uh, playbook that uh, was under his belt. Right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, he finished 11 for 12, and, and his very first pass was the incompletion. So he threw 11 completions in a row for 140 yards. I mean, if you would have told me Hayner was going to have to leave this game at some point, I would have not expected anyone uh, on the rest of the roster to come in and, and put up numbers like that. I do think the Bulldogs did a pretty good job game planning and, and making it um, manageable for Fife. But, uh, I mean, man, this was the scenario we talked about all season long where uh, did, did the Bulldogs have an adequate option if something happened to Hayner? And in the bright lights of a Coliseum-type game, this was the exact scenario where we painted Fresno State not wanting to be in. And this was, while a devastating moment, far from the reason that the Bulldogs lost this game. 45 points allowed on defense it was not going to give them a chance to win this game without Hayner, but not having Hayner wasn't the biggest reason why they lost. So we also went on the, the VIP board at barkboard.com and I got a really in-depth, uh, long feature about Fife's performance, dissected just about every play, um, looked at how many times he was pressured, even looked at the RPOs and the read options to see if he made the right decisions on those plays. Um, also um, factored in some of the other spots where maybe he was under pressure, if he made the right move or if the sack was inevitable. I mean, we really dug in there and got deep. And uh, if you want to check that out, that that was our Wednesday special feature on the VIP board. But um, to summarize it a little bit, uh, I, I kind of left the game thinking, oh, 11 for 12 is cool, but it felt like they made it a little easy. But after watching the film and watching his specific play, I came away even more impressed. Um, you know, a lot of the little things he executed very well and the things that don't show up in the stat sheet and even the passes that were, you know, not exactly set up. You know, there were a couple of screen passes that should be easy for a quarterback, but there were several others that uh, he stepped up and, and made some pretty solid plays. So, for me, uh, as tough as this situation is, if it's going to be extended for a while, um, it seemed like some of the bigger issues weren't necessarily a quarterback play in this game, even without Hayner. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he did step up. I mean, at first, uh, just by thinking it, uh, about it, I was sitting there watching, and I'm like, well, it's really – it, it was really a lot of passes that were, uh, you know, high percentage passes. But, uh, you know, like you said, after going back and, and seeing some of the footage, 
there was some really tight spots he was able to put that ball in that uh, any in it would be difficult for any quarterback, but he was able to get those completions done. You know, do you feel the same way, Jackson? Yeah, yeah. We counted about 25 plays where he had to do something besides just turn around and and, uh, hand the ball off. And I only counted about two, probably uh, what I would call bad plays and maybe one or two that could have been executed a little better. Otherwise, I mean, he did about exactly everything right and as mentioned I mean this was the spot where we talked all offseason long what happens if Hainer goes down do they need to go get a transfer or junior college quarterback to be ready for this and they went out and got one actually with Matt Robinson from Illinois but Fife ended up winning the battle and he proved why against USC and so um, based off of that I, I think it's fair to feel pretty good about the offense still without Hainer it's definitely going to lose an edge and, and quite a bit of what it could have been, but uh, it doesn't feel quite as the devastating blow it could have been based off of what Fife did for two quarters. It's a small sample size. Uh, USC, as talented as they are, does not have the greatest defense, but uh, they those are athletes that are probably a lot better than they're going to see the rest of the way. And I mean, Fife under pressure in that venue, I mean, that was about as good as you could have asked for for the sophomore to step in and then perform like that. Uh, still didn't come close to getting the victory in that one, but uh, he, he showed signs of getting the Bulldogs by until Hayner can get back for sure. Absolutely. And the the Bulldogs were able to, to move the ball uh, against this uh, USC defense. And the one thing that the, the, the Trojans were, uh, had the biggest trouble up until the Bulldogs as well was the run game, and the Bulldogs were able to rip off a few long runs, uh, some of them for touchdowns, Jackson. and uh, it. But it seemed like it was not Mims doing most of the running. What do you get from that? Yeah, Mims had his moments, but it's sort of towards the second half they switched the charade, and he had the big 32-yard touchdown run. Um, you know, Mims did end up getting over 100 yards rushing on only it was only 15 carries, but he got 114 at the 40 yarder. Um, and it was just kind of tough for the offense to get into a good flow where they could balance both the <clears throat> excuse me the run and the pass. We knew going in that USC wasn't all that great defending the run, um, and that the Bulldogs would probably have success there. But it's just. I mean, when you have one drive <laughs> to start the game and you throw two incomplete passes and punts and, and now you're down 14 to zero, puts you in a tough spot to establish the run when you're playing from behind so quickly. And even after they drive down and kick a field goal, the next time they touch the ball, they're down 21 to three. So uh, I thought Mims did a good job when given the opportunity, but uh, they just didn't really have a chance to execute the game plan going in, which I think would have called for more MIMS and, and to uh, try to take advantage of USC's lacking run defense. But they had to play catch up and had to air it out a little bit more than probably they intended. Yeah, things were a little. Um, it, it just it had the Bulldogs been able to keep this one close, they could have kept the running game going and probably would have been able to break a few more uh, long plays. Uh, but because USC was able to get out to uh, such a lead, the Bulldogs were, were then forced to try and, and gamble and, and put the ball through the air a little more. Um, 
which, you know, they do have the weapons, but it, it becomes significantly tougher when you're not doing it with your star quarterback. So things were a little difficult for the Bulldogs, but it wasn't just, um, you know, Hayner's big injury that uh, that really changed things. But also on the defensive side, there was a key injury that also made things a little difficult for the Bulldogs. Right, Jackson? Yeah, Evan Williams also suffered an injury here early in this game. And this was a strange one because, um, you know, he was playing very well. Uh, we had our pro football focus scores uh, come in, and he was far and away the best Bulldog. He, I think he had five tackles and just the first couple of drives. Um, but while he was out there, the Bulldogs did give up those three touchdowns. And after his injury, um, USC ended up punting twice. So it was a uh, I don't know what it, <laughs> how they they pulled that one off, but long term, you definitely. I mean, Evan Williams is the best player on that defense. He's the team captain. In fact, the Bulldogs have four captain spots, but Jake Hayner and Evan Williams are the only two true team captains that are permanent. The other two spots rotate from week to week depending on uh, who's earned it. So to have your two key captains be the two guys that go down in this game where. I mean, that's just an awful luck. Um, I mean, that, that's a, a tough blow, both not just to your team as far as what you got on the field, but uh, emotionally and mentally, too. I mean, that's rough. So both of those guys were on crutches with uh, various lower leg um, gear. Uh, Williams was a knee brace, and Hayner had a, a boot on his foot. And both of them, again, were on crutches as they left the stadium and so uh, neither of those looks particularly promising. We do know that uh, Coach Tedford said they did not think Hayner was season-ending, but they did think that Williams could be potentially longer-term based off of the initial diagnosis. So um, the only good news for Fresno State is that they are pretty deep at safety. Uh, Elijah Gates, who was uh, very dependable last year, uh, hasn't started even this season with LJ Early taking a starting spot. So. Gates came right in for Williams. Uh, I felt like they were well-equipped, at least with the, the reserves and the depth, to, to backfill that spot in this particular game. And we also saw Stephen Comstock get a lot of reps, and even Krishan Gordon, the guy we haven't seen much of on defense to this point, was already in the game before Williams went down. So they have some options, and uh, it's another position where it looks like they can get by, but you just you, you can't quite replace what... Evan Williams brought and hopefully it's not too long-term of a situation for him. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, it's going to be one of those where they're going to have to uh, try and uh, shift some pieces around. Of course, the, it might even open up some competition for new players to get into the mix. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Bulldogs do have a, a buy this week, so they've got a little bit of time to get it all figured out. Uh, but you know, they just, it seemed like they got hit hard by the injury bug in this game. And so Jackson, why don't we just, why don't we run through all the injuries run through uh, what the uh, prospects of those players returning, what it means for the Bulldogs, uh, especially heading in uh, next week against uh, Connecticut, which let's face it, shouldn't be a problem for the Bulldogs, but here we are with a lot of injuries. What does that mean for the Bulldogs? Yeah, so first Hainer, um, again, it was a high ankle sprain, as it was described. Frankly, watching the tape, it looked 
a little bit more gruesome than just a, a ankle sprain. Uh, unfortunately, uh, hopefully that's all it is, and that usually has a timeline of a few weeks to a couple of months. If it's bad, I mean, it would not be if that's truly what the injury is. And I mean, it could be something where maybe best case scenario, Hainer could come back for Boise not too long. Otherwise, on the bad end of the scale, I mean, they could miss the large majority of the remainder of the season. So there's kind of a, a big window of where that injury would put him in terms of coming back and, with the bye week, we don't really know. There hasn't been any media availability with the team this week, so I haven't been able to get any updates from Tedford or any of the players about what they're seeing from, from that injury. Uh, the, probably the best assumption is that Logan Fife is going to start at UConn, and then it's probably going to be a week-to-week deal from there to, to see what happens. Um, and maybe quite a few weeks that Fife has to step in and start. So that's kind of the situation they're looking at at quarterback. With Evan Williams also, I mean, uh, is it a season-ending injury? Is it something that he can return from? We, we don't quite know yet, but we can anticipate he's probably going to miss some games even after this bye week. Uh, Dante Bull pulled a groin late in the USC game. I don't think that's going to keep him out for too long, but he did come into camp with an injury, so that is one to, to keep an eye on as well if this is something that's kind of reoccurring or an issue that is compounded with something else he's dealing with. That could be a problem. Uh, there were a couple other guys that got dinged up late in the game. We had on our insider game notes, but I don't think there's too much to be concerned about. Uh, offensive lineman Braylon Nelson made the trip, but wasn't able to suit up. It sounds like he won't be out for too long. So the Bulldogs to this point, I mean, they got through spring without any crazy injuries. They got through preseason without losing anyone significantly. They got through the first two games without any injuries, and then, bam, man, it's like they used up all their their good injury luck here. <laughs> By the time they got to USC and they lost their two best players, I mean, that is a, a rough deal. And we'll get an idea, hopefully by Monday, when Coach Tedford next talks with us about where those guys stand and um, how long it's going to be. Yeah, it's definitely going to uh, change things significantly once we do get an update on those players um, as to where uh, where the Bulldogs are going to have to try and shore things up. But it, it's going to be pretty much game to game uh, on, on, on where the quarterback position is going to happen because, like Tedford said in his uh, post-post, conference um, meeting there he said that uh, high ankle sprain are some of the ones that take the longest to kind of get over um, and it could literally be from game to game uh, of game time decision as to whether or not Hayner will be able to play and if that doesn't happen it it's going to be fife the whole way through for majority of the season and now the question arises Jackson who's behind fife who, who's the number two now behind <laughs> Fife when uh, we had the number two established? Now we got to get another number two established. What do you think is going to happen behind there? Yeah, uh, that's certainly a good question at this point. And uh, I think the answer, is, I believe, is clear. <laughs> the, the majority of <laughs> right, <laughs> the majority of fall camp, Logan Fife and Jalen Henderson were the two clear cut players competing for the backup job. Now the question becomes, 
Uh, we saw Henderson take some playing time last year, and while I've seen him in high school really be a gunslinger, uh, he was the guy that, in his appearances last season, was quick to run the ball, uh, was more of a runner, and made a couple of big plays. But the point here being that if Fife and Henderson are two very drastically different quarterbacks, maybe they would turn to someone else for those second-team reps in order to find someone that's a little more um, consistent so that the playbook doesn't have to change up if they do have to go to the backup quarterback. Uh, Matt Robinson is a, the transfer from Illinois. He's another guy that similar measurables and kind of skill set as Hainer and, and Fife, you know, shorter quarterbacks that maybe see the game pretty similarly. You've also got Alec Trujillo back there, and, and even the true freshman Joshua Wood, while they didn't anticipate on using him this season, has really had some flashes. So maybe there will be some competition, but if it's purely about the two best, most experienced quarterbacks on this roster, then it's definitely Henderson. But if, say, five struggles and they want to go to the next guy, or if the five gets hurt and they want to go to the next guy and it's Henderson, uh, you'll probably see a pretty different-looking offense with a lot more quarterback run. And I'm the first guy to dispel um, the notion that Henderson is just a runner because, again, I watched him in high school. And he looked like he was like a Hawaii-type quarterback, just shotguns, launching the ball all over the place. But that quite hasn't quite been the version of him that we've seen here. And that's going to make things a little bit difficult if they do have to go to someone after fight. Yeah, it's, uh, that's why I posed that question because <laughs> we all know who who's the number one and the number two. But then that, when the, the, the deck of cards gets shuffled, now who's who? I mean, who do you put behind Fife now? It's not guaranteed that it's going to be the same players we thought it was going to be because now you you kind of have to prepare yourself. You know, do we still have a shot at this season? Who do we put in 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 that position? And and it becomes a chess match at this point. So they got to figure out who it is that they want to put behind Fife just in case um, Fife goes down. Heaven forbid, but. It has happened to the Bulldogs before. A few years back, if I remember correctly, Jackson, they were down to their fifth quarterback at one point? Yeah, I'm thinking that was 2015. Um, I remember uh, Ford Childress was like the third or fourth quarterback, <laughs> and he had his spleen bursted open on his first start, like first quarter at San Jose State, and that was the year Kilton Anderson stepped in from, I think, fourth on the test chart to starting, so... Yeah, I mean, sometimes these things happen, and uh, hopefully that's not a relevant discussion for the Bulldogs <laughs> this year. But if it is, they do have five scholarship quarterbacks. Usually they have four, so they are a little bit deeper this year. It's just it does it has felt like to this point that it's Hainer is such a distance from everyone else that it was going to be tough regardless. But you know, I think Fife's lifted the spirits a little bit after what he did at USC. Yeah, it, dev- it definitely seems like Fife did close that gap, um, and uh, and things look a lot better uh, with him taking over and uh, having his first full game come against UConn is probably the best scenar- scenario we could have come up with uh, f- to give Fife his opportunity as the starting quarterback, which now the more we look at it, the, the more it looks like it's going to be a reality for him to take over uh, in that game. 
And uh, I mean, Jackson, do you think it's uh, it going to be the perfect storm for for uh, for Fife to kind of get his feet wet? Yeah, I sure think so. Um, I, I think after reviewing the USC game and the offense in general after three games, I think the, the biggest breakdown. Uh, the offensive line has been better for the most part, but it feels like when the Bulldogs are in third and long or third and five, even, which is basically third and long. I mean, that's a, a tough one to convert sometimes, but uh, the pass protection just hasn't been there. Uh, that's been the common breakdown. And for five, he was sacked three times in less than two quarters. So um, I, I think if five is uh, protected well, um, that we're not going to have too many complaints about his performance but if the o-line is getting beat a ton then it's definitely going to affect five's play i think we saw that as recently as 2019 um you know, jorge reyna caught some flack for his performance but if you break down what he did when he was uh, protected well compared to all the pressure he took under an uh, inexperienced o-line i mean uh, he could have been much better than what we saw if he had more time to throw the ball around like he was capable of and you would think Fresno State will match up pretty well against the UConn in, in the trenches. I'm seeing here they have um, about 11, 12 sacks this season in four games. And so they're going to be able to create some pressure, but uh, probably not as much as, as some of the other opponents coming up. And that's the other thing, too, is that the timing of this is tough for the dogs because the next game's coming up on the schedule. You're going to have at Boise State which the Broncos don't look as good as they have, but the defense looks, you know, they don't look like Boise State. The defense looks like Boise State. The offense looks like something completely uh, lower of a standard than what you expect from the Broncos, but the defense is really good. San Jose State's defense is really good. Uh, San Diego State, you assume their defense is going to create some trouble. So um, the Bulldogs aren't going to be facing many offensive juggernauts, but they could end up in some close games. If you have five taken on these tougher defenses in conference play, which just happened to be earlier on the schedule than what they're going to see in November. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, I think it's going to be the perfect time for five to kind of get his feet wet, you know, start off with UConn. And then that way he will be able to uh, be ready to go if need be again uh, when <laughs> when they have to head over to Boise to take on uh take on the Broncos. So that's going to be a different kind of a test, especially on the blue turf, uh, where for whatever reason has some mystique there that they, uh, teams have a hell of a time winning. Uh, but, um, we'll, we'll see what happens when we get to that point. Uh, Jackson, is there any other things you want to cover, uh, from this last game, uh, of the Bulldogs against USC before we move on to what's happening around in the mountain West. Yeah. Just to, to touch on it defensively a little bit more. Uh, I think the biggest surprise for me was that the Bulldogs didn't get beat deep uh, at all. Um, they gave up their biggest play of the game was on the ground, actually a 44 yard run. Um, the longest pass play of the entire game was a 32 yarder for the Trojans. Um, they had a 29-yarder, a couple of 20s, but uh, I was really concerned about some of the one-on-one matchups with these big-time receivers against the Bulldogs cornerbacks, and they schemed it and got man coverage uh, performances that were good enough to prevent those deep balls from occurring. But 
the downside of that, that I believe Coach Tedford said on ABC 30 this week was that they died a slow death. They they protected the big plays, but they gave things up underneath, and the Trojans just nickeled and dimed their way down the field and ran a lot of clock and really took the Bulldogs out of it. Um, so um, it was kind of a pick your poison just from watching on the field. Uh, USC's talent was just um, not uh, unlike something I don't think. I think it was unlike anything I've seen up close and personal so far covering the Bulldogs. I've seen a talent disparity uh, of uh, Fresno State against an opponent in some of those rough years uh, that the Bulldogs have had. But in terms of pure talent, you just couldn't account for everything that the Trojans had. Uh, I mean, you could focus on the run. You could focus on not giving up the pass. Uh, you could have feel like you checked all the boxes, and then Caleb Williams was going to just scramble and run for a gain. And then for the Trojans to go for it on several fourth downs when the Bulldogs actually made third down stops, uh, basically um, canceled out three third down stops that the Bulldogs had. The Trojans just went for it on fourth down. And I don't think the Bulldogs were going to have good much of a luck stopping them on four plays to get 10 yards as good as they were. So um, there was hope that this game would be more competitive than it was, but uh uh, the, this USC offense has got to be one of the better ones in the nation. And um, I, I don't know if they'll be able to pull off a big season with their defense, but uh, I think they're going to just continue to be more and more recognized as the season goes on. And uh, it's going to be more and more understandable for Fresno State where the final score was what it was, more so than it being a reflection of the Bulldogs just uh, not being a very good team. I, I think they're still a solid group, and even with some of these injuries, they can win the Mountain West, but um, this, I think this 45-17 loss won't look all that bad at the end of the year. Absolutely. I think uh, the Bulldogs did a, a tremendous job of, of taking away those deep passes, which Let's face it, Jackson. They, I I was concerned with that, and I I actually thought that they were their star uh, wide receiver was gonna break open in this game, and it ended up not happening, which was to my surprise, uh, it, very a very good thing for the Bulldogs. But like like you said, you know, you take away the deep, you also need to be able to take away the the short stuff and that didn't happen and USC was able to take control of the game that way so that really made it very difficult for the dogs to get back into this game especially with all the injuries uh but try as they might they they still continue to to claw their way and and came close to to actually putting up a few more points on the board and making this a lot more closer than than uh, than the score indicates but uh, here we are um you know, Bulldogs are one and two at this point, uh, but the whole season is still ahead of them. By no means does this mean that the Bulldogs are out of it this season. They still have a chance to to make some noise in the Mountain West. But uh, speaking of the Mountain West, Jackson, let's get things ready for this upcoming week. Uh, the, of course, the Bulldogs are on a bye, but there's plenty of action happening in the Mountain West this week. And of course, the first the first two games of, uh, of the week are going to be on Friday night, where you have Nevada taking on Air Force and Boise State taking on UTEP. And Nevada Air Force, of course, that is Mountain West implications there, Jackson. Um, but I don't see Nevada putting too much of a fight against Air Force. Are, are you of the same uh, opinion there? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, they well, we thought the same thing last week when they played Wyoming too, <laughs> and the Cowboys got them. We did learn that Air Force went through last week a deal where um, they were missing five starters and over forty players came down with some sort of virus. Apparently, it was not COVID. It was something else. So they were and not that themselves. To, <laughs> yeah, they they were really affected, and it's a little different at Air Force because uh, I believe they technically have upwards of 130, 40, 50 players on their team with the cadets and the walk-ons and things there. Um, so 40 could add up a lot quicker at a service academy than it would at a normal school of players getting sick. But um, if that's something that's still going on there and is still a problem, then maybe this game is closer than people are going to expect. Um, but otherwise, Nevada, even at 2-2, two and two, I think they've shown themselves the last couple of weeks losing to Incarnate Word and getting shut out at Iowa. This is not going to be a great team. It's just a matter of if Air Force looks like themselves or not. Yeah, that's uh, if if Air Force comes back healthy enough, this should be easily won by Air Force. Nevada was pretty much decimated last season after all kinds of players left, so uh, they're not as potent as they were before. Uh, but of course, like you said, if if most of the team on Air Force is sick, who's going to come in and play, right? <laughs> you got to make sure that there's enough healthy bodies to go around. So only uh, only time is going to tell as we get closer to kickoff on uh, for tomorrow. Uh, so we'll see how how things are going for Air Force here. The next game, uh, of course, Boise State taking on UTEP. Now, this one, uh, Jackson, Boise State's going to come back, uh, you know, after having a, a relatively easy time against uh, against a Division II team. Um, can they kind of overlook UTEP? Because I, I believe UTEP's looked pretty solid. Yeah, you know, UTEP, we saw them, of course, take on Fresno State and the New Mexico Bowl the end last season. The Miners had a lot of hype going on, and, you know, I've been, I don't think we talked about it too much on here, but on, I've been tracking some of the attendance numbers in the group of five and uh, how well the Bulldogs have been doing in there uh, with the attendance numbers so far compared to their peers. And even in California, really getting more fans than a lot of the, the games at Cal and UCLA and Stanford. Um, but what was kind of missed was in week zero, UTEP actually sold out their well, nearly 50,000 seat stadium for North Texas. And, Unfortunately for them, the Miners uh, took it on the chin a little bit in that one. Then they went to Oklahoma and lost, and they've lost a lot of the momentum that they had going into their their star receiver. Um, that there were a lot of storylines around for the bowl game last year. It's gone to Arizona, so they've uh, lost quite a bit. Um, last week they went to New Mexico and turned the ball over seven times in a uh, twenty-seven to ten loss to the Lobos. So. Um, I think this game is going to be very similar than what, as what Boise State's done the last two weeks. Their defense is just going to absolutely dominate a below average offense, and the Broncos will score enough points to make it look lopsided, probably in that thirty to to ten type of range that they've been winning in lately. Yeah, so it's gonna it's that one. That one could. I, I don't know. I for me, Jackson, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn. I think I'm uh, I'm leaning towards Boise because they're playing at home. However, I could see a U, UTEP coming out and really giving giving Boise problems. So 
I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm torn on that one. But uh, as as we go into the weekend, uh, games, uh, there's going to be more Mountain West games happening. And, of course, San Diego State is going to be licking their wounds after uh, taking on a loss from Utah last week to take on Toledo this week. Uh, but it is a home game for San Diego, so that should be a little bit different. And uh, I don't know, Jackson, did, is it in the back of their mind the loss that they just had the previous week? They're going to take it out on Toledo? Um, you know, Toledo's not a bad team by any means. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be an odd matchup, too, because we know San Diego State is so you know slow and <laughs> conservative on offense and and. Uh, really focused on running the ball. They can't pass it very much. It's a slow and, burn. Uh, it's a slow burn. Exactly. And Toledo's the exact opposite. They want to light up the scoreboard, even in a blowout at Ohio State last week, and they put up 21 points. Uh, usually when they win, they score a lot. And, you know, if you've just been watching the scores at San Diego State, it hasn't been pretty the first couple of weeks, but it's been a lot worse, I think, behind the scenes with, you know, their punter, Matt Ariza, uh, you know, he was the media darling all last season, and now he's under a real big scandal, even after leaving the team and getting picked up by Buffalo. Uh, that's still kind of shadowed over this program, along with some of the, the current roster that was involved with that deal. Uh, you've got quarterbacks. Uh, they all had a quarterback just leave the team this week. Um, the other quarterback they brought in from Virginia Tech has been benched already. Uh, there's a quarterback from last year that Coach Brady Hoke just said, oh, yeah, he wanted to leave. It was his choice. And had bombs all over Twitter saying that Coach Hoke's a liar. <laughs> so it's been pretty ugly there. I mean, it is bad timing for the Aztecs with their new stadium and conference realignment to look like this could be a, a really rough year for them if this uh, off-the-field stuff keeps spilling over onto the field because you got to imagine they're better than – I mean, to get blown out by Arizona and oh, even as good as Utah is, the Aztecs beat the Utes last year. I don't see any reason why they should have lost 35-7 to like they did last week. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Toledo gave it to them this week either. And as the world turns, it's the soap opera of college football. <laughs> so San Diego State is really not putting themselves into a good position right now publicly. Uh, it's That should be an interesting game to keep track of the next game on the schedule uh colorado state takes on sacramento state uh, a, a division two foe uh, but colorado state is similar to san diego state coming off of a bad loss uh against washington state so they'll be looking their chops on this one to, to probably make a statement against sacramento state yeah well, as, if you're a bulldog fan you probably remember 2019 uh sacramento state came to town and gave the bulldogs a tough time their head coach, Troy Taylor, is still there. Uh, I don't know Hornet expert this season, but as bad as Colorado State's playing, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a, a close one. <laughs> I love it when uh, Division Two teams sneak up on play- people, just as long as it's not the Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the next one, uh, uh, this is going to be a Mountain West uh, matchup. You've got Utah State taking on UNLV. Uh, last week, let's see here, Utah State did not play last week, according to the schedule, and UNLV as, well, UNLV took on North Texas and uh, really came out on top, 58-27 to 27 on that game, 
So um, I don't know, Jackson, are we leaning more UNLV against Utah? I mean, we saw what UNLV did last year. They were a lot better than people thought they were. Um, uh, are, do they have what it takes against Utah State this year? Yeah, you know, these offense, uh, you know, last year they were close, just as a general, as a team. But this year, their offense is really clicking so far. They've scored 50 points twice already. Um, even their one loss was a six-point loss at Cal, which has a very good defense. Um, you know, they were kind of in desperation mode at the end. Uh, they could have had more than 14 points in that loss. Um, but, yeah, Utah State has not looked good at all. UNLV is looking really good. Um, uh the Rebels are only favored by three. I think they're going to win this one by a lot. Wow. Okay. Also, the Utah, I mean, not UNLV uh, looks like will be the, the team to uh, come out on top against this one. So it looks like UNLV is probably going to be a bigger matchup for Fresno State than we thought uh, previously. So that could be an interesting game when Fresno State heads to Las Vegas uh, later on in the season. Um, the next game, uh, I believe is another mountain. No, it is not. Is it? No, it's not a mountain West. I always get thrown off when I see New Mexico state. Um, but Hawaii takes on New Mexico state, uh, last week, Hawaii. Um, let's see what Hawaii did. Hawaii uh, took on. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, Jackson. <laughs> you're already you're hoping I was going to do that, but I'm going to murder that name. Uh, Hawaii ended up winning against the Division Two team, 24 to 14. But Hawaii has been a little bit uh, down so far this season, right, Jackson? You've been you cover that team. What's the 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 outlook so far for Hawaii? Yeah, so they beat Duquesne, and they <laughs> of course you <laughs> they had to say it. <laughs> they were up uh, twenty-four to um, six, um, or yeah, and I mean it wasn't very close. But catch this: Hawaii had one hundred and eighty-four yards of offense against this team, <laughs> SES team from the yeah, and uh, uh, they only had thirteen first we're down. Using Hawaii have a ton of yards, and that's all they came up with. Wow. Yeah, so they won this game pretty much off of uh, turnovers, and um, uh, it's still looking pretty bad at Hawaii right now. So New Mexico State is probably as good of a matchup as they can ask for, but they got to go on the road. I would be a little surprised if Hawaii wins this one, but it should be fairly close. Oh, all right. So that one is uh, that one is also on Saturday at six p.m. Mountain. Uh, the next game is New Mexico and Jackson. New Mexico is taking on LSU down in Louisiana. Um, I don't think New Mexico is going to have a chance here. Do you, Jackson? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> I'd be surprised if they score more than once. This one and. Uh, you know, New Mexico's got a pretty solid defense, but not for the type of athlete that LSU has. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I believe this one's going to be a, a very lopsided a game here uh, with New Mexico and LSU. Now, the next game on the schedule, uh, San Jose State continues its its run against Division two teams, uh, taking on Western Michigan, and of course. Um, they, the last time they played a Division two team, it came down to like the last play of the game, right, Jackson? 
Well, they got Western Michigan. They're out of the MAC, so they oh. are. Well, they have. Um, so they're not Division Two. So excuse me. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so they not too long ago they got that New Year's Six Bowl, um, but they are, have not been quite as good recently. Um, last year, actually, they gave the Spartans a heck of a game. Um, it was played in Michigan. Uh, they beat San Jose State twenty-three to three. They knocked out the Spartans' starting quarterback, and San Jose State finished with 119 yards of offense in that game. Um, it, it looks like Western Michigan has lost a lot of what they had last year. They're off to a pretty rough start. They played a couple of top 25 teams, um, and the Spartans had a, their bye week last week already. So um, uh, still not quite sure what to think about the, either of these two teams right now, this is going to be kind of the measuring stick game for both. But uh, I think the Spartans at home uh, with some time off, I think they're going to come out in a good spot for this game. Um, they're also going to have black uniforms for the first time in a long time. So uh, there might be a little bit of extra juice in uh, the, the crowd for that one. So I think the Spartans win a close one here. Yeah, I, I mean, it could could potentially be a, a lot closer uh, game than a, a lot of people are thinking as I was uh, just by watching what they did against that earlier on in the season against a Division II team. Um, I, I didn't I don't have high hopes for for San Jose State this season. Uh, but uh, we've all seen that happen before where they struggle against one of those teams and then they just come out and roll the rest of the season. So. Uh, it could be a wake-up call for them. So let's see what happens uh, this week when San Jose State takes to the field. Now the next game, Jackson, this game was looking a lot more enticing this week than it did last week uh, because Wyoming did come away with a big uh, big win. Uh, BYU, I believe, uh, struggled last week, so it looks like things may be a little bit more even than uh, people predicted on this one. Yeah, BYU went from beating number nine Baylor to just getting absolutely destroyed by number 25 Oregon. And uh, Wyoming, I mean, just continues to shake off what looked like a, a really, really rough off season and a really rough season opener getting blown out at Illinois, uh, stringing together three wins and beating Air Force. Um, I have a tough time seeing Wyoming have the athletes to compete with BYU in this one, but there's no doubt they've got a, a little momentum, and, and BYU is going to be coming into this one maybe a little shell shock after what happened against Oregon. So uh, maybe it stays close for a while, but I can't see the Cowboys pulling this one off. Now, what what BYU has going for them? This is going to be on their home turf, so uh, they could uh, very very well have more of the the juice behind them with the crowd uh, to make things happen. Um, a lot more than what Wyoming would be able to do. I mean, Wyoming is riding high after being able to kind of steal one last week. Uh, but BYU being at home, I think has the, the clear advantage on this one. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm calling BYU just like you, Uh, they're going to, they're going to come out and, and, and take care of business on that one. Now, of course, that one is the late game of, uh, of the week for the mountain West. It's being aired at eight 15 mountain. Um, on ESPN2, so that's probably one of those that you might want to tune in to, to watch. Uh, out of all the games this week, Jackson, which one are you the most excited for uh, that is not Fresno State? Um, uh, definitely the, the one true conference matchup, UNLV and Utah State. I want to see if 
those trends continue. If the Rebels keep playing like they have so far, and the Aggies keep playing the way they have so far, uh, it should be a it could be a lopsided win for UNLV, and that would kind of cement kind of where both teams stand in the conference right now. Um, want to see if San Diego State can rebound against Toledo. Definitely want to see what happens with San Jose State and Western Michigan. As you mentioned, the Spartans came out ugly against State, but they did go to Auburn and kept it very close over there on the road the following week. I um, want to see you know, kind of where things average out here against a, a peer group team to see what they can do. And, um, you know, most of the other game should be pretty lopsided, but I want to see if the Broncos take care of business against the Miners, like I anticipate. Air Force bounces back if Wyoming can put up a game against BYU. But uh, just one conference opener for uh, this week, and uh, we'll see what happens with the Rebels and the Aggies. I don't know about you, Jackson, but I'm kind of ready for conference play already. Uh, I just want to see you know things starting to to happen. Who is really uh, for real? Who's who's faking it? Because uh, right now it's still kind of up in the air. But at week to week, you know, the teams you think are going to be strong uh, really have a hard time. The teams that are that you think are just going to be terrible uh, surprise you. And right now, uh, I'm ready for conference play so that some of that can be ironed out already. I, I don't know about you, Jackson, but I, I'm I'm chomping at the bit to see some conference play. Yeah, because. After the first two weeks, it felt like, all right, there might only be two good teams in this conference, and they're Fresno State and Air Force. Air Force gets totally knocked off by Wyoming. Fresno State loses their two best players to injury and a blowout loss to USC. Uh, Now it feels like there may not be any major contenders on a national scale in this conference right now. Um, I still think Fresno State, even with injuries, could be the team to beat. Um, I, I think... But now we've got Wyoming making a run here. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get answers pretty soon. Next week, San Diego State goes to Boise State. That'll tell us a lot about those two teams. Wyoming and San Jose State will play. That'll kind of separate a contender from that group. And um, then really the following week after that is when Fresno State joins the mix with conference play. And we really have full-fledged conference competition. Um there's definitely some teams that are very bad in the Mountain West, but there's a lot of teams kind of hanging around in that are they good or not category. And that's kind of what you worry about if you're Fresno State. Um, you don't want to have those teams that can hang around and you can stub your toe again. And there's definitely a few right now that um, with Fresno State not looking as good as we anticipated and with teams like Wyoming and, and San Jose State and even Boise State looking better last two games. I mean, those are teams that could be bigger problems than it felt like just eight days ago. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting here in the next few weeks. Um, all we can hope for is the Bulldogs take this bye week uh, in, and get as healthy as possible uh, to try and put together a a competitive team, um, not just for Connecticut, but moving forward because right now things are day to day with the quarterback position. Um, and then of course, with the loss of Williams on defense, that's going to add a whole nother level because we're not really sure he may or may not be done for the season. So we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, once the reports come out, and I believe you said sometime next week, uh, there we're probably going to get an update on on those players, right, Jackson? 
Yeah, there's a chance we may get something sooner, but the next schedule, the media availability is going to be Monday with Coach Tedford, and he may or may not you know, be <laughs> transparent with some of those things. I mean, sometimes coaches want to keep opponents on their toes, and uh, they might not indicate if a player's going to come back or say they will when they won't <laughs> so, uh, to keep opponents guessing. So it's, it's going to be tough, but we are supposed to still get Jay Kaner with his interview on Monday too. Every Monday is Coach Tedford and Jay Kaner. And so um, we'll hear it straight from Hainer what, what's going on with him too. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, we'll, you know, as always, uh, we'll have all the latest news and updates at thebarkboard.com. And possibly if we do get wind of any in, of that information, uh, you're going to have to be a premium subscriber to find that out, right, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I know the last couple of games have taken the wind out of the sails a little bit, but if you're a Bulldog fan, Jones in for some, some Fresno State content right now during this bye week, uh, I highly recommend going to check out that feature we had on Logan Fife, and it's not just Fife. I broke down every third down, uh, big third down and red zone trip where the Bulldogs came up short and what went wrong over the last two weeks. Also took a look at some of the defensive personnel and uh, got some analytics there to see. You know, there's been a couple of surprising moves on the depth chart this season. And so kind of dug in and saw if those are working or if they aren't. And uh, I mean, that's like a, about a 3000 word report, I think there. So there's a lot of stuff you can uh, keep your, your get your Bulldog fixed this week during the bye if you head to barkboard.com and especially if you check out uh, the insider board and it's just a dollar to join if you're not a member already. Yeah. And, uh, uh, as one a person reached out to us, uh, while we were over there at the, uh, USC game, uh, if you uh, do get a full membership, not a discounted one, but a full membership paramount plus is part of the package. And that particular person was very excited about that. Right. Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we haven't mentioned that enough lately, that's like a hundred dollar value right there that is included with your Barkboard subscription. Um, we are an affiliate of CBS and CBS Sports, and they're affiliated with Paramount Plus and all that. So that is a really nice loyalty perk that we have. Again, if you sign up um, right now, we have discounts of a dollar for your first month or thirty percent off a whole year, and then once you renew at full price then you get the loyalty perk of getting free Paramount Plus. You can stream and watch uh, like thousands of shows and movies and exclusives just to Paramount Plus. Uh, I don't know all of them, and I, I bet most Bulldogs fans have better taste than me, but I know there's some South Park and Beavis and Butthead movies you can only find on <laughs> Paramount Plus. <laughs> and if you're, if you're a Star Trek fan, they have everything about Star Trek on there, so... Yeah, there, there's all kinds of things on there. Uh, it, there's they even release uh, movies on there that have just left the theater before it releases anywhere else. They're usually on Paramount Plus sometimes. So that that is also another option for for movies as well. They've even had theatrical movies released on Paramount Plus. Uh, at the same time that they were in theaters, so it you know you do have that option. It is something that I I love personally. 
Jackson loves it as well, you know, just to get his South South Park uh, kick. <laughs> uh, but but it is well worth the the price because if you are on the fence about getting Paramount Plus anyways, well guess what? You can get our subscription and Paramount Plus all ro- rolled into one. So essentially you're getting something free <laughs> for whichever one you wanted. <laughs> yeah. So, and to add, I believe if you want to forego our promotional prices and make sure you just get Paramount Plus right off the bat with Barkboard at the regular Barkboard price, you can send in an email to support at 24-7 Sport so that you don't have to wait to, to get that free access to, to the Paramount Plus too. Absolutely. So uh, that being said, I will, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show here. So Jackson, any final thoughts before we uh, head on off? Yeah, just um, stay tuned to barkboard.com and our VIP coverage. And there's still a lot of conversations going on on the message boards this week. It's been very active as well, even though we've got a little bit of a wait. But it might be a, a good extra time to refresh here and reload for these next nine games. And you have a little bit of a different mindset after the last two, two games were uh, the tough ones. Absolutely. So if you are... Uh, not a subscriber now is the time to do it because you will not be disappointed there is plenty of coverage still ahead not only do you have uh, uh, football coverage but uh, once football season's over you'll still need your fix and uh, of course Jackson still does a lot of basketball coverage as well uh, after uh, football season is over and sometimes we kind of mix in some of the other sports here and there depending on how we feel right Jackson (laughs) Yeah. And also football recruiting is pretty much a year-round deal right now. So, uh, and Transfer Portal has made it uh, even doubly more uh, important thing to cover for us right now. So you always get recruiting coverage, not just from Barksport, but from a team of recruiting analysts at 24-7 Sports. They just put up a story last night about a Bulldog target that Fresno State's fighting with TCU for. So that's, you get that kind of updates on a regular basis as well. Absolutely. So, you know, if you want to get all the the coverage uh, year round, uh, you know, Barkboard is constantly going. It, it does not stop. So if you're on the fence about it, now's the time to do it uh, and just, uh, you know, enjoy all the coverage that comes along with it. That being said, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, if you haven't done so already, have it, head over to our Facebook page and give it a like uh, and join that community. And as always, head over to thebarkboard.com where we have both free and premium um, subscription uh, boards where you can be a part of the conversation with other Bulldog fans. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>